Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Rod, Debo at the turkey leg uh, shindig at the end of the game said it best. We're going back to the crib on a dub. And that's how he ended. That's how he ended his, his the, the the whole shenanigans after the game, very poetically. And I guess we're sort of we're sort of doing that as well. We're up here late after Thanksgiving. Hopefully, those of you in the U.S. had a fun evening, and those of you not in the U.S. had a good Thursday. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving, Rod? Man, it was great. Um, my brother's down from Northern Nevada, so. We went out and played a little golf this morning and came home and watched, spent the whole day watching football. Um, and then we ate about two o'clock. That's about so, nice yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then it was just kind of like a food coma throughout the end of that Dallas game. Well, the Dallas game would put people into a coma. Washington is terrible. <laughs> yeah and then you know we watched the Niners do their thing so yeah it's been it was a great Thanksgiving how about yours it was good a lot of people we decided to figure out how to get out of watching that Dallas game because it was pretty boring we watched a little bit of USC hoop because I guess they have a top prospect on USC and then we watched uh there was a game the other night in the in-season tournament between Indiana and Atlanta, and the final score was like in the 150s. Mm-hmm. So before the Niner game, we watched the first quarter of that game to see Tyrese Halliburton and Trey Young kind of go off. But we were just counting down the minutes until the Niner game started. Uh, <laughs> and, and Okay, so it is I, – I, I was wondering, and I asked this question in the Discord – I know our guy Shelvin says he's got to get up for work early tomorrow morning. So hopefully Shelvin can hang with us for a few minutes here. Uh, if not, we understand and, and, and we love you and we hope you had a great holiday as well, Shelvin. Um, after that first half of tonight's game, I thought, is this the best half of football they've played since the Dallas game? Now, the second half wasn't quite as good. Maybe the third quarter, but the fourth quarter was excellent as well. There was a gear that they were in tonight that I don't think we've seen in a little while. And I think that bodes well going into next week because that is the game that they have circled on the calendar, I'm sure, is the rematch of the NSC Championship game. Uh, But what did you think about that first half tonight? I thought they were just firing on every single cylinder. Yeah, I mean, it was... Incredible. Like I what I like to watch is the way I watch the games is from the inside out. So in that first half, on both sides of the ball, the offensive and the defensive lines were just amazing. They both were uh I last week we had the most pressures we had 
have had all season with 31. I can't imagine that we don't end up topping it this week. It was because that first, I don't know, because the second half wasn't maybe as impactful. Gino was able to kind of get some stuff done in the second half. But um, that first half, we were was just smothering. And it was... It was it was really like you said it was a it was a domination, um, and I you know we easily could have been up two more scores, um, as Kyle mentioned coming off the, I don't know if it was coming off the field or going back on the field in the second half he was like you know the fact that we didn't turn a couple of those um, turnovers into points um, was something that was. Um, that he had a problem with, but other than that, it was a, it was a real clean first half. I am so excited about next week. It's going to be awesome, but we still got this game to talk about before we talk about that. Absolutely. Also shout out to the OG Rick, who was able to watch the game tonight. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, Rick and Davis as well. I know he said he was watching it with his, his grandparents tonight. Uh, the, the, these nationally televised night games, uh, not, 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 you know, they're not perfect in these games. They had the bad Monday night game in Minnesota, but Sunday night has been uh, pretty good. They've, they've had some of the two of their best performances of the year. I think the Dallas game and, and this game. Uh, so we go into the half 24, three, I, I thought Brock was on his way to like doing what he did last week again. Now the second half, he, he was not as strong. He had a pick, which was a poorly a poor throw to CMC, backed up near their own end zone, which turned into a pick six, and uh, and and so he did not have the cleanest of second halves. He he did make some big throws down at the end there, but the, it, even if Brock was the Brock of last week, this he is not the story of this game. The story of the game, this game is exactly what you said is, is the defensive line. Now, I want to give you some some numbers here. We don't have pressures in the ESPN. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll find that information out uh, a little bit later. But Niners had six sacks, led by uh, Nick Bosa with two. Hargrave had one and a half. Uh, Gibson uh, accounted for one, and as did uh, Eric Armstead. Uh, Kevin Givens got a half. Uh, Hargrave had one and a half. I don't know how they were assigning some of them. There were, <laughs> there were several of them. It was like four dudes, like all converged at one time. So yeah, that, that that's interesting how the bookkeeping worked out on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so tackles for loss, they had five tackles for loss. Nick Bosa had two of those. Now you go to quarterback hits. They had 12 quarterback hits. Nick Bosa had five of the, of the 12 Eric Armstead had two. Hargrave had two. And I thought, throughout all of that, Geno Smith like did the best he possibly could to, to try and keep them alive, but they, he just did not have a chance. And uh, I was watching this dude play. I'm watching this dude. The, the small amount of time he has in the pocket, he's got to throw some of this stuff early, and he just can't connect with uh, with his receivers in the way that he wants, but Man, that guy's tough. I thought he played a really good game as much as he could, but the Niners' defensive line just mauled him. So are we basically saying that this Chase Young trade 
has made all the difference? Like, what is your what is your point of view on why all of a sudden the Niners can get back to the quarterback when they went like three games without much success there? I had made note of this before the trade. It was that the fact that that whatever's the right side, um, because Nick always lines up on the left side, there was just not we were a donut over there. Um, Farrell and Jackson just simply the other teams didn't have to, they didn't, they weren't a threat at all to generate any sort of pressure. Um, and so teams were able to, you know, really slide pressure to the left side in a way that they can't now, you know, Callensworth made a great point that you, Nick is going to see so many more single block opportunities because sometimes they just have to double team young. I mean, he's the tackle over there on the right-hand side just can't deal with him one-on-one. And if you put Nick, if you give him, you can't give him too many opportunities one-on-one because there's just simply, if you don't got Trent, um, there's like only two or three guys in the league that can stand up um, snap after snap one-on-one with Nick and you know it's and Seattle doesn't have one of them Mm -hmm. um they've got an old man over there playing um Jason Peters was great in his day but um come on man it's it's over um and Nick was just abusing that dude so yeah I think that that is one time where you can see where kind of like the trade last year where you insert CMC into that offense and it was like a switch was turned on. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing has happened with Chase Young. He really has unlocked, you know, we we were successful and several blitzes got home today, but they're getting a lot of pressure with just the front four. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, it's like night and day when he, you know, it's pre- um, Chase Young and post Chase Young. And I think that, um, you know, he makes a huge difference. Those of you, those sack counters out there, Bosa is up to seven and a half now, by the way. So he's hitting double digits probably fairly mm-hmm. easily uh, in, in the next handful of games. You know who else really balled out today was Mooney Ward. He, oh, man. he, he made some big plays in the, in, uh, who's who's the sideline reporter on Sunday Night Football? What what is her name? I I don't know. Yeah, I I should know this. I was I was trying to remember everybody's name because I don't watch Sunday Night Football all the time. But she asked him like, why were you able to play so well against uh, DJ Metcalf, who's obviously a really really good receiver? And he just said, you know, his technique. He just stayed true to the technique. Uh, he there was one play that I thought I was like, oh man. Uh, this could burn us. He jumped a little early to try to swat the ball away and he missed and Metcalf made a catch. It was probably a 30 yard catch or something, but mm-hmm. Metcalf was out of bounds. Bounds. Mm-hmm. so it, did, it didn't hurt them. But other than that, he tip passes. He almost picked one off. Uh, he's, he's bodying this dude who is a hard dude to body. And man, he played like, uh, he played like a, a, a pro bowler tonight. And you know, he, uh, he's had, 
some good games, but he's also had a couple mistakes that that have hurt the team. Tonight he was. Tonight, I, I was thinking tonight was probably his best game of the season. Yeah, I mean, and it was fortunate, you know, that they they allowed them to play, and him and you know Metcalf were able to be physical with each other and go back and forth, and there because there were on both sides there were times where it was it was close. I mean, they could have called, you know, PI or holding or, you know, pass interference. These referees. Um, and they let them play. And that's, and that's fine. I mean, you have to, if you want, you know, that that's how it's going to go. Then it allows you, a, I would imagine as a player, a bit more freedom to go out there and do your thing. And that's great. I like when they let those dudes play and they don't call it um, as tight. It was it was real interesting because that was the thing coming into the game um, on both sides. There was some real just by the numbers, some real mismatches um, in the secondary and the in Seattle. The pressure was so um, heavy, especially in the first half that Gino wasn't. And then I I don't know. I don't know if he was 100 percent. Um, but they weren't able to take advantage of, of those, you know, the two big ones being, um, the, the rookie at safety. And then when Traverius was out for that stretch of time, they weren't really able to capitalize on that either. Um, because by the numbers, both, um, Lockett and, um, Metcalf looked to be very good matchups against Lenore particularly and then there aren't really any stats on Brown but I just kind of figured with him being a rookie um, you would kind of try to target him especially with you know they've got some pretty big like super big and athletic tight ends um, so if you could get them matched up on him, you would think they would have tried to do that. But like I guess say the first half, you know, he was just kind of running for his life. Um, and then in the second half, he got off, he got some, got off some pretty nice passes, but it was just, I, it was, it was actually just kind of too little too late at that point, yeah. especially after, um, after the, the, the turnover, after the, the pick six, um, you kind of felt like there was a kind of a momentum shift, but you know, their offense wasn't really able to um to capitalize so yeah pete, i pete, pete was jumping up and down trying to get the fans to cheer louder i don't yeah, know if you heard that one <laughs> that is and and that's crazy because that you know of all the arenas i've ever um all the stadiums i've ever been to that is by far the loudest place i've ever been in that play I, you know, i've never been to kansas city so i i can't that's the one that everybody kind of compares to mm-hmm. it but that is by far the loudest place i've ever been and it is it's deafening in there they get so loud especially when they get all you know amped and riled up um and anytime i've been there twice and anytime they're playing against us i mean it's like from the opening bell and dudes are um they are really really jazzed up and it's you know you, you just can't hear you can't hear yourself think i mean i remember the first time i went there before i was smart enough to come with um ear protection like my ear my my ears were ringing it was just so loud um but yeah that was 
I, we did. A, I think we did a really good job of taking the crowd out of it in the first half. I did see lots of Niner fans there too. The two times I've been there, went there, we were we represented. You know, we were all 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 throughout. The, you know, I normally go when I go, I go like the Wednesday or Thursday before, and all around Pikes, um, the the marketplace, and all around the city, it was nothing but red jerseys, and we, you know. But that is the case. Just about any road game I've ever gone to, we are always there in force. Um, and it's 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 so cool. And it, it, you get, I often say, you get like a a um, there's a a feeling you get dealing with Niner fans online that <laughs> is you know kind of toxic, but. I know that one, I'm real well aware that the internet is not a real place. And I've just had so many really, really good encounters with Niner fans all over the country that I just know that that's not real. Like the pictures from Mexico city are now like funneling in to my mentions. I mean, to my memories um, from last year, from last and, year, I mean, it's, from last year and it's just a bunch a bunch of them are just random ass pictures on the streets of mexico city with other niner fans that mm-hmm. would just come up and just be like let's take a selfie and you know it was it was just like all love um and that has been my experience with niner fans anytime i've gone there i've never had a bad experience where they're like shit talking to coach or you know even like Alex or whoever is was like the, the punching bag of the team, like when we were bad. I I never had the experience where, you know, it was it was any kind of anything but encouraging. If we sucked, it was like, let you know, let's fire them up, let's hope we do better. And if we're good, you know, obviously it's you know, you know how that goes. But yeah, I it's just like the toxicity that you 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 kind of deal with and i i like to engage because i just like to, i'm kind of like a troll and anarchist <laughs> in that way when i deal with people online but um yeah it's it's you know it's it's really fun and if i i suggest any any time if you can ever go levi is its own thing and that's cool but when you like travel and it's like you're like you're like the enemy in our enemy grounds it's like really cool to deal with 49er fans in that setting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, by the way, Rick, let me, let me know that Melissa Stark is the sideline reporter. So thanks, Rick, for, ah. for the note there. Uh, all right. So as uh, as we look towards the, the box score here, uh, couple of other things stand out if we go back to the offense uh christian mccaffrey six yards a carry and two touchdowns and he was close to breaking a couple of these really was 
Uh, Elijah Mitchell, a little bit of a bounce back. We'd been talking about mm-hmm. how he looks slow. He was at 5.6 yards a carry trying to end this game here. Uh, on the receiving side, Debo, 7 for 79. Uh, really one of the first times, I think, all year that he outplayed or out-received or was out-targeted uh, more than Ayuk, especially on the big play. Ayuk did come back late to kind of get the touchdown to put the game away, uh, To uh, and he was two for 50. But Debo had seven catches for almost 80 yards. The ball was spread out a lot more today than it was last week. The great Charlie Werner had a catch for nine yards. Mm-hmm. Juwan Jennings had a third down catch that was probably a four-yard gain and a couple yards short of the first down that he turned into a seven-yard gain and a first down. Uh, and Kittle was was a three for 19 as well. Even Ray Ray got in there late. So spread the ball out a lot more. Offense was a lot more balanced, the run and the pass. And then that plays into um, – I wanted to find the uh, the uh, time of possession because last week it was pretty mm-hmm. even. But this week, 35-30 for the Niners, 24-30 for the Seahawks. And that's when you really know – that the Niners played their brand of football, which is they just dominate the clock in the time of possession. So offensively, what did you think of the game plan and, and overall how they played? It didn't play out the way any way that I thought it was, which goes to show how, you know, numbers only shake you so far. You know, past past results aren't an indicator of future whatever however they say in financial terms but um because i thought this would be a big game for iu just based on the matchups and like you say debo like doubled him in targets and like in again we talked about on last week's show of the 25 targets last week all 20 all 24 of them were um between samuels iu McCaffrey and Kittle whereas this week nine people got targets which is you know I don't I haven't done any kind of analysis to see but I would think that that is you know more preferable to you know kind of spread the wealth and not just have them concentrated like that um but yeah it was and I it's just, it's a, amazing I know that I haven't looked at that stat in a while but i know like last year at this time it was like we had like a a 75 percent winning percentage when we um when we held the ball 30 minutes or more it's it was like a stark indicator of um wins and losses if we're able to control the clock it's you know it's kind of a wrap um so yeah that it, it's good to see us get to back to playing that way. Um, Cause I think that's, that's just kind of where we want to be. Um, but we had saying that we still had, you know, 30 pass attempts, which is a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a lot of plays, but that's like that's 64 plays is a lot. Um, 31 attempts and 31 rushes. So it was balanced, but um, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't Brock's best game, but I'll take that. I mean that that one got got that one pass got away from him, um, and then shit happens when you when when the ball is 
tipped up in the air. I mean, that over the middle like that, that's a recipe for disaster. It wasn't, it, I don't, it was not a good pass. So I don't want to, I don't want to be like a Brock apologist, but I mean, shit happens. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's just, it, it, I, you know, I just get the feeling every time if you say something, you know, I don't, I don't think that's even negative. I think it's real. It was a bad pass. Um, but it seems like, but it's not an indictment of him as a player. Shit. It, if he throws, if you throw the ball 30 times, one of them is bound to be not your best. So, and that's what that was. So, you know, but he bounced back. And I mean, it was, was a workmanlike performance. It's not, you know, it's every week is not going to be 151, 158. Perfect quarterback or, rating. It's just not, yeah. it's not going to be that. So it was a workmanlike performance. We scored 30 points again. Um, he played fine. And that's really all we, anything else. And, and I know that the faithful are all caught up and he's leading the league in all of these statistical categories man this dude's job is to just keep the bus on the road and if he does that you know what's going to make this worse though and i don't even mean it worse i I mean the 49ers fans hopes of who he becomes if the niner if if the eagles lose if the niners can beat philadelphia next week and brock plays well he's going to bump up in the mvp race like he he's actually nudging uh, I think he's in the top 10 or something for odds for MVP. I don't, I don't know what book, but I, I had heard that his odds mm-hmm. were, were getting better. That is if he can come in and beat, you know, they can go into Philly and, and win that game and he plays well, then he's kind of the the fun bet for MVP possibly because then the Niners, you know, they're, they're inching themselves back into uh, the, the top of, of the NFC territory. So that that is uh, not that I don't hope that it happens. Of course, I hope that it happens. But, you know, if there is MVP talk for Brock Purdy, then that change that changes things, uh, I think, even more. And that and that's good for him. And I root that for him. But I was having this conversation just this week. And again, I it's I get painted as this Brock Hager and I don't have anything bad to say about that dude. No more. As long as you guys aren't comparing him to Joe Montana, <laughs> I'm cool. I'm always 100% every time going to push back against that. But beyond that, I am a Brock cheerleader. But I am one who believes, as far as that goes, the pros on that is that the MVP generally is a quarterback award. Mm-hmm. So the best quarterback on what possibly could end up being the best team in the NFC or the best team in the league would lend itself to Brock being the pick. But as an Iron fan, he's not even the MVP of this team. He's not even the MVP of this offense. Yeah, he's not even he's he's a top three MVP because my vote would be Christian McCaffrey. It's Christian, uh, it's a hundred Christian McCaffrey, and and then for me, Trent Williams. And then you want to go BA, you want to go Brock, you want to go Debo, whatever. After that, but I think the top two 
most of the most valuable players on this offense are Christian McCaffrey and Trent Williams. And you don't have to look any further than the games when Trent wasn't in there. How different, if you're talking about value, how different this team looks when he's not in there. And you could play that same game with CMC. If you take him out of the mix, this is a whole different ball game. And I guess you could, to a lesser extent, make that argument for Brock Purdy. Although my argument back, pushback would be that, you know, when we went on that run last year, Jimmy won a bunch of those games. And we we saw we can get pretty got pretty damn far with a Jimmy Garoppolo level quarterback. So it's not like if we don't if what what this offense needs, especially as we are currently constructed with all of these weapons at the quarterback position, we don't need an MVP. We need a competent quarterback somebody who is steady and confident who can execute Kyle's vision and Brock is that um even to an even greater extent than Jimmy I think you know he's he's definitely an I think, upgrade I think Kyle would agree with that <laughs> he's definitely an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo but we got you know I know that it's it's kind of fashionable to like shit on Jimmy Garoppolo at this point but you know, now I'm the one quoting you guys back your stat that we were 40 in blah, blah, blah when Jimmy Garoppolo started. So, I mean, he did some good work here. So we saw what you could do with competent quarterback. Play. And that was what I always used to say when that was my comeback when people would quote that Jimmy is 40 and blah, 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 is the difference is, you know, without him, it was Brian Hoyer, Bethard, and Mullen, which was, is the opposite of competent quarterback play. So Jimmy comes in, and he's a competent quarterback. And that's what we need. I think Brock is a step above just competent. He is skilled. I mean, he's got, you know, missed me with this. There was some drill that he did that he matched um Lamar fuck out of <laughs> here with that but um but, but he um is you know he is mobile um he's confident they were the articles this week talking about his Kyle saying his arm is stronger than when we, he was drafted whatever um he is not afraid i know that he is that's a big difference between him and Jimmy he is not afraid to chuck it downfield. Um, and, you know, and I, again, I, I mentioned this before. I was talking to an Ohio State, uh, Iowa State fan, and they say Brock has a lot of YOLO in him. And, you know, it comes out sometimes. He really, he, you know, and that, I think that's a benefit to us that, you know, as long as he's making good decisions, he's not scared. And Kyle schemes it up, gets dudes open, and Brock is not scared to go. There were so many times when Kittle was open down the seam and Jimmy just seemed like he was allergic to even looking at those throws. Brock is not so affected. He will go get it. And I think he definitely, we can win a Super Bowl with, as, as we're currently constructed, I have some doubts about, you know, there was talk on the, the Facebooks this week about Brock and four for 200. 
I think it'll be fun to watch. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but I think as we're currently constructed, he is the man for the job and he can win us a couple of championships with this roster. So, and I, and I hope he does. I want to, since we're on the Brock thing, I think there, there's one statistic that actually becomes two statistics that, that mean a whole lot when it comes to why he's doing well. So 70%, that, that is his completion rating. Dak is right there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Dak is right behind him. And, you know, now nowadays, you know, quarterback completion percentage is inflated because of mm-hmm. how much passing and just the overall evolution of the passing game is. So you have Brock at 70.2, Dak at 70, Tua at 69.7, Josh Allen 69.6, Lamar 69.5. Cousins, Wilson, Jalen, Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Pat Mahomes, all at 67% or higher. So that is just today's NFL with offense. Yeah, and I was going to say dudes like Joe Montana will tell you that um, completions are discounted and that the Pat, and, and it, it is statistically proven. It's just not, that's just not old guy talk. Completion percentage has never been higher in you know the league as a whole and i think that when you talk about the context of these players like you talk about brock and dak being at 70 percent, it context matters um this is in an nfl where everybody's completion percentage is higher um than it's ever been so that not to not to take any way from those players because they have to complete the passes but it's easier to complete classes in the league than it's ever been. Okay. Now here's where the total package of Kyle calling plays of the explosiveness of their offense, of how good the running game is builds into the overall package. So Brock can compete. He's completing at a hot, the highest level in the NFL right now, but you add on the, completion uh i think it is the completion the yards per attempt mm-hmm. you add the yards per attempt and he is a full yard ahead of number 2 oh actually 0. 0.9 almost a full yard who is Tua Tua is at 8.5 Brock is at 94 Pat Mahomes is at 7 so that has a lot to do with the people that you are going to pat mahomes is just doesn't have any receivers right now he's got kelsey yeah. and then, <laughs> i mean if, if if half of those passes that were dropped were caught i'm sure his average would be a lot higher yeah and, and so he leads he leads the league and drops by a lot you 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 have the explosiveness you have the players around him you have the the play calling so this kind of plays into what you are saying which is brock has to run the offense the way that Kyle wants and his 70 completion percentage, which is the highest in the league just turns into almost 10 yards per attempt because of how they run their offense. So to your point, it is a big part of it is who is around him. But if he was not doing what the, the offense or what the play call or what, you know, the, I was watching Kawakami ask um, 
ask Kyle about the the touchdown pass. You know, is, is the rollout part of it? Yeah, moving left is part of it. When it where is he supposed to throw? And Kyle's like, well, you know, if the if the defense is here, it's high. Then he's got to go underneath. But Brock didn't think it was high enough because he still threw over the top. Like like mm-hmm. there is a there was some YOLO in there. And 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 Shelvin even said Kyle was surprised that that Brock hit Ayuk on that play because the easier pass was was underneath. So all of that is to say they have a guy who can run the offense. They have so many explosive players and they have the right guy calling the plays. And that bodes well into having these type of season that they are having because you kind of look at those two numbers and it's like, wow, those two numbers equal so much more for the Niners than they do for someone like the chiefs. And you know, Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't care what anybody says, but you see the numbers for him because he doesn't have a Tyreek Hill to throw to anymore. His, his numbers are going to be down. So he's going to just have to do more than Brock in order to pull these games out. So I just, I wanted to make that point because I do think it is about the Niners explosiveness <laughs> in their offense and, and Kyle, but it is also Brock is doing his job and he's doing his job better than most of these other quarterbacks are doing their job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, because like those two long passes the past two weeks in a row, um, Jimmy doesn't even look at those throws. I mean, that, that's just a fact. Those type of routes were open, but he just, you know, and again, like Kyle said, I mean, he was surprised that Brock went there because there was another much more viable option open. So in a case like that, our former quarterback wasn't wrong for taking the the other option. I mean, that's a, that's a that is a perfectly sound decision. But if you've got George out there, you know, wide ass open. It's the worst that can happen. That guy, where he put that ball, there was no way that um it was going to be a turnover. That's the thing. That's the only thing you worry about is when you take those deep shots, you don't want to do it in such a way where it can go back the other way for seven. And we've and he's made those throws. I mean, again, I'm not gonna you know pretend that he's perfect and he's never made a bad choice. And he's made he's thrown them out there. And guys have, you know, knocked him down and could have jumped him and taken him back the other way. But that wasn't the case with either of those two deep balls. They were they were opportunities and he saw it and he took it. And that is a welcome addition to this offense. All right, let's look ahead to this Philadelphia game. Now, the Eagles, uh, I, I would say the Eagles have basically done what you want them to do, which is win football games. The way that they are winning these football games, I'm sure to Eagles fans is a little bit like, man, can we put a little, why does every game have to be close? Like they have some really impressive wins. Like last week beating Kansas city. That was, that was an impressive win. They beat Dallas the week before, but they also have some scary ones where you look at some of these games and you saw the commanders today and they only Mm -hmm. beat the commanders by seven points and they gave up 31 Mm -hmm. in that game. Uh, they beat the Dolphins. That's probably their most impressive win, 31-17 to 17 over the Dolphins. They lost the Jets. Uh, they, they they stuck around. Uh, they allowed uh, the Vikings and, and the Patriots to, to stick around. So 
you know, they are, they know how to win football games. And I think that is kind of, once you get to that level and you get these games that are late, maybe you do allow the team to kind of sneak back in, but you can still pull these games out. Uh, they play Buffalo this week. Buffalo is struggling as well, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I feel like if the Niners are on all cylinders and the Eagles are on all cylinders, the Eagles, Eagles just being at home and, uh, and, and whatever that gives today, I, I, they, they may have the edge. I think if the Niners are on all cylinders and Philly is is struggling a little bit, then they may be able to go into Philadelphia and, and eke one out just by the mere fact that Philadelphia lets these teams stay in and the Niners are explosive enough offensively. The, the worries for me are just the RPO. I don't feel like the Niners ever play well against that mm-hmm. offense. And that offense is designed to hesitate their pass rush. And that is my fear. I've, you know, last year we talked about this when we went into the to the uh, championship game, and I was just like, man, you know, this RPO just gives me nightmares. And they, they didn't do anything against it in that championship game. Now that game got out of hand, you know, because of the injuries and such. Mm-hmm. But that is my, like, I, I want to see them have an answer to this offense before I fully believe that they could get through Philly to win the Super Bowl. You know, it's funny that you used the analogy on hitting on all cylinders because my uncle had a 72 Nova. (laughs) And when I watch the Eagles, he would often, often, like really often, have to turn the distributor to get it to do whatever they I know nothing about cars, but I know yeah. he did that all the time. And it just they just look to me like they need a tune-up. I mean it's, it's just like they're not hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. I've watched a lot of Eagles football. And it's like like you say they do I mean that's that's great that they're doing just enough to win. But they played well last week against his chief, but their winning really had the Chiefs lost that game in my yeah. opinion. I mean they they dropped that game because even after all of that, if Valdez Scanlon catches that ball in the end zone, they lose that game. I mean, so it was, and that is to me like the story of their season. Yeah. Again, I take nothing away from them because the fact that they still have one loss, if even if they're not playing at their best speaks well of a certain level of resilience. And I've said before that I wasn't really worried about the Eagles um, until this four-game stretch. If they come out of this four-game stretch, the one that we're in now, the Chiefs, the um, Buffalo, us, and then Whoever that third, that fourth game is a kind of a tough game, as I remember. I think it, I don't know if it's the Cowboys, but whoever is a, I would say after this four game stretch, I'm not worried about them unless they come out of this four game stretch with one or two losses. Then they're a problem at that point, unless we beat them. But even still, if we're, if they go three and one and the only losses to us, you know, we're still a game behind. Now we have tiebreakers and whatnot, but. That would be this is a hard stretch for them. And if they are able to come out of the other side relatively unscathed, hell, I was hoping they would go, you know, 0 and 4. 
Um, I was hoping, you know, I was really rooting for Kansas City last week to do their business. Um, I don't, I just, Buffalo is just not that good, y'all. I'm sorry. I, you know, it would be a shock to me. Buffalo would have to play their best game of the season. I've watched them a lot too. I've watched a lot of the Eagles too. They, they're just, their defense especially is not, um, they're not at the same level as um, the Eagles, but they got Josh Allen and they got um, Diggs. And if those two dudes go off, I mean, anything could happen, but I, I just think they're going to come into our game with that one loss. And this is going to be the game of the season. I mean, it's, it's still a lot of football left. So, I mean, it's not like by any means the season is over, but I, I don't think it's, it's not crazy to say that if they win that game, you know, home field advantage is, it, it's like, it's not mathematically impossible for us to get it because they could still fall apart. Um, but I just, you know, we sitting there with four losses and they're sitting there with one or two. It, it's an, uh, with, with the tiebreaker, it's an uphill battle for us. And I think that's important. I would, I want them coming here in the playoffs rather than going back there a second time. They don't have a hard schedule the rest of the way. They got Dallas once more, and then they have the Seahawks. And then it's like Arizona and the New York Giants, <laughs> teams like that. So, the, the, you know, if they beat the Niners, it's it's kind of a cruise control uh, to the number one seed. So uh, one thing I didn't realize is this is a 125 game next week. It's not a morning game. So uh, the Niners will be well-rested and, that's a plus and body clock wise they're going to be on the the west coast the whole week and then travel over and so body clock wise they're not going to get hit with that same you know the, the betters love to see those west coast to east coast games when that are early clock. that's a it's like that's like a, a real thing um in terms of definitely um straight up you know point spread gets kind of tricky but to that making that trip teams you know the win loss percentage um straight up is it's a real thing so that is a benefit to us um playing in that later window that four o'clock east east coast window all right who do you have for your players of the game i looked at this as if i had turkey legs to give out who would i give it out to but i did rank mine but uh, so I already have mine listed. I, I listed in the Discord. I, I'll read. I'll read mine after yours. But who's your MVP? My MVP um, offensively, uh, the way I did it is offensively. I, I, I wasn't smart enough to be like you and do the turkey leg thing. <laughs> that's that's what I should have did. But hell, after the game, it was like fifty people up there getting <laughs> yeah. turkey legs. I don't know. I don't know what the hell they're doing there now. But um, it was for me. Um, Christian was the offensive player and I I don't know if it's controversial, but I, again, I, I could do Nick like every week. Yeah. Um, but I went with Mooney. I went with, Oh, um, wow. Okay. Um, Travis Ward would have been my defensive player of the game. All right. So I, I did a top, uh, I did a top four, uh, and then I did, a. um, <clears throat> A little, a little wrinkle at the end here. So my number one would be Bosa. My number two would be Mooney. My number mm-hmm. three would be Debo. And my number four would be Christian. 
So I'm giving legs to okay. all those guys. Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. You know who's not getting a leg and who be, who comes in last? Kinlaw for allowing himself to get body slammed. <laughs> well, you, you know what? And I was saying to the people I was watching the game with, um, I think literally – Javon Kinlaw is one of the biggest people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. He is huge. So, so that, it's not like that dude picked the runt <laughs> of the litter to body slam. Um, but yeah, that that is a bad look. <laughs> they waited for this look. dude. They waited for this dude to jump, so he was already off his feet, and then they just lifted him further over and, and, mm-hmm. and put him all the way yeah. over. What yeah. What do you think he What do you think he did? What like? They were mad at some something. They were mad at something, and they took it out on Kinlaw. I wonder if he said something. <laughs> yeah, that dude. I don't know. I've seen some stuff with him that I, if I was an opponent, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> like too much. He is like one of those dudes that um I've noticed, and I don't trip because he's on our team. But he's one of them dudes that will come in at the end and like jump on you at the end of the other play and like like he made it but dude it was over and then you just kind of like belly flopped on top of the whole thing just to make it look like make it look good on 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 film so he's that kind of guy so it it's no telling what he did to rile them up but yeah my man i'm so i'm shocked he didn't get thrown out maybe they were grant cone fans and they were like, I'm going to get you back for getting that at Grant Cohen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, or maybe Grant paid him. It's by Danny Yate. Yeah. Grant knows those guys. Grant, He's Grant sending that, um, spending that Sports Illustrated money. <laughs> uh, all right. So next week's a big game. You know, it, it's, it's a little later. So we're going to wrap this up a little early. Thank you for all of you who were hanging out. Uh, hanging out with us after the game. I think we're all kind of a little fired up. So mm-hmm. Sunday night football, you, your team plays good. You're kind of pumped. But next week's the big one. So we'll be back next week uh, at uh, in the in in the early evening after the the one one twenty five game is over. Talking Fort Anders and Eagles. And also, I haven't done a Warriors podcast this week because Brian moved, so he's just getting settled, and I and he hasn't been able to watch all of the games. So I may do kind of a solo podcast only show on uh, Friday night. So after the Warriors play Wemby, it's it's San Antonio and the Niners or the Warriors get to see Wemby. So I'll I'll do a short we uh, short uh, death lineup uh, audio only on the podcast feed, and then yeah, and then Brad and I will be back on Monday, hopefully with some news of the Giants doing something. Like let's at least make. Let's at least pretend. Can we create some rumors for the Giants to do something? Because, man. But uh, I have to say, along before we go, I have to say, um, I listen to Zach Lowe on Low Post. If you guys are basketball fans, check that out. My man is, he's like my hero. He did half, when it, there was a problem with one of his guests. And so he did half pie just by himself. Yeah. And then you and yours, I, gonna tell you i've been trying to do it and uh, (laughs) there is a definite skill to you know it's easy for me talking to you and doing in this format but like just turning the microphone on and talking there is a definite skill to that so i so props 
to you it, as that it is a little it's, a, it's definitely more difficult you kind of have to have like all of these it's almost like um you know how jay-z would say that he doesn't write down any lyrics mm-hmm. and as he's driving he's got like all of these bars like in order in his head and he's just memorizing them you kind of have to do that when you do the solo podcast like, you have to have like your ideas and maybe you write some points down that you want to make sure that you hit, but you kind of have this conversation in your head before you turn the recorder and the microphone on. And sometimes when that microphone goes on, you forget all of those points and you're <laughs> kind of like screwed. But yeah, it, that that is really what it is. I really do have to think through stuff because I cannot rely on you. I cannot rely on Brad or Brian to you know speak about something. I, I, and so it is a little bit more tough on that end but shelvin was joking about scott foster throwing out cp3 again shelvin mm-hmm. is a is, is a Suns fan so he was pretty happy last night while i was so sad watching the warriors just get boat raced in uh in phoenix it's interesting just to, to wrap up that the the previous thought is it even you know now i'm really keen and aware of it but like even dudes like um Foxworth and Bomani Jones, who I listen mm-hmm. to a lot, when they do their their solo shows on Monday, um, they've got a producer that, yeah. that that they're bouncing off of. So that's not even that's like cheating. It's not like they're there by themselves with either their thoughts or their notes, and they're just going. So yeah, that is like I say, I give you guys props who can do that. Just turn on the mic and go. That shit is not easy. Well, well, in in my radio days when I was working at KMBR, and I actually had Larry Kruger. I did an interview with Larry Kruger in this feed uh, several months back. But mm-hmm. he, what he would do, and he was a young, uh, he was a young host back then. You know, he was probably in his like mid twenties, and he said. He used to come to us, and I was like just an intern. I, I, maybe I might have been like an assistant producer or something back then, but he would come to us and go, okay, here's my thought. What do you think about this? And then we would give him feedback so that mm-hmm. he kind of knew, okay, yeah, I didn't think about that or whatever. And so I always thought it was weird. I was like, why are you asking us? But what he, he was using us as a sounding board. Mm-hmm. Now, that might be something as well, uh, you know, utilizing social media to go, hey, what about this? And then uh, kind of knowing, yeah, this is a response to that. This is something I didn't think about. Uh, sometimes in the Discord, I'll, I'll ask questions and just not, not necessarily because I want answers. I just want the feedback. Mm-hmm. I want to see what people are thinking. Am right. I thinking about this the wrong way or are we kind of aligned? So that's kind of that's kind of how I do it. But I agree with you. I, I much prefer the two-person pod because i do like bouncing stuff off of people and and having just a natural conversation and you know we kind of get lost in it but to have rick and to have shelvin and to have davis and robert ramos and guys like that just always in the chat kind of throwing stuff out it does help because i'm like oh yeah i did i forgot about this and then you know it's brought up and and i you know and then i'll bring it up maybe even later so shout out to those folks too i have recorded something every week for the past four (laughs) weeks and have just been terrified to send it to you because I just think it stinks. But this week I I, I've got a pretty good format, especially for like, like um, the buildup to, cause I, I do two, I do like a recap Uh uh, and then I do like a, a pregame 
Yeah. And I, I got some pretty good ideas. I just, you know, it, they just, I don't know. They don't come out. It's like, like I'm doing right now. It's just like, <laughs> I can't, I can't get them out. And it's just like, it's so awkward just kind of talking to myself. <laughs> so it's, it's hard. like the hardest thing for some people is to hear their own voice in their headphones. That yeah, is a that hard is, thing. It is, it is brutal. But I say all that to say, I say all that to say, if there's ever going to be a week, I'm going to get it done. It's going to be this week because I just think this is going to be a fascinating matchup. And I'm going to have a ton of time to kind of break it down and try to maybe get something that might be usable. So be on the lookout. And I'm kind yeah, of yeah. doing, I'm also, you know, my therapist talks about setting up accountabilities. So that's what I'm kind of doing here is I'm kind of putting it out there on wax that this is something I'm going to do. And it kind of, it, it gives me added motivation to actually follow through because i said it here that i might do it and you know people will be maybe looking for it so yeah it'll be interesting i'm i am so excited about this this matchup coming up all right yeah so i uh <laughs> we we do i have missed on this the last two weeks just because these last two weeks have been crazy but uh, i've been trying to do a preview in the bspn feed the podcast feed so we don't put that here because it's a little bit harder uh to produce video so we put this in the audio only feed. So if you are not a subscriber to the BSPN audio feed, uh, Rod and I will try and have a preview pod before we get to Sunday's game. So look, be on the lookout for that. Just search BSPN or Bay Area Sports Podcasting Network and you'll you'll find the feed. All right. Thanks to Rod. Thanks to all the folks who were hanging out in the in the chat. Uh, thanks to everyone who were, who is listening to this, who's watching this. Uh, for Rod, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.